Guys, welcome back. I told y'all this was going to be some continuous content. As back in the day, if you had DirecTV, you would set your season pass, maybe set a reminder. Nowadays, with everything on demand, you know, you can just click into it. But we're back here to talk about Virginia Tech football. I'm joined by Pat Finnegan, Grayson Wimbish again. Grayson Wimbish, since you're, it's earlier in the day, you've had, um, you know, a full day of work, coming in hot, entering the house, drinking your milk, getting started. How's your day going, bro? My day is going great, man. I, I feel bad because I'm always showing up late to the, it's like the second time I've shown up late because of traffic where I live. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I live in Los Angeles, which uh, basically means that my time is more important than Bill and Pat's. So, um, no, I'm just kidding. I got, I got stuck in traffic. So, other than that, my day was great. Uh, I'm like, we're having a company lunch tomorrow. Ooh. We're having kebabs. Really excited about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I really can't complain. Pat, how, how about you, man? How was your day? Good, good. Uh, busy. You know, you know, week's been flying by. Happy to be back here, uh, hearing from you guys. Actually, watching a little playoff baseball. Got the, uh, the Nats-Dodgers going on. So, you know, I'm in D.C., Grayson's in LA, Bill's in Atlanta. Uh, looks like the uh, the Braves had a rough go at it this <clears throat> evening, but uh, we're bottom seven right now. LA's got a two nothing lead on the Nats. Fernando Romney is on the uh, on the mound here. That guy's like fifty five years old. <laughs> um, runners at the corners, two outs. We got a heck of a game going on. Um, yeah. But I'm ready to talk about some football. I'm ready to jump back into it. Rough week last week. Um, not too excited about Saturday. But, uh, you know, we have each other, and we're going to talk about it uh, here tonight. So this is therapy. Oh, it's, it's 100%. It's 100% <laughs> this is group therapy, therapy session. 100% therapy. Um, just so we can get the timestamp in here, because we always like to do timestamps in case something crazy happens post-pod. October 3rd, 11.14 Eastern. So that's 10, 9, 8.14 Pacific time. So that is the date Correct. stamp of said podcast. Um, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to roll out into it, right into it, and we're going to talk about the Duke game. Fellas, I watched at the New England Hokey uh, Alumni Club in Boston, um, right by TD Garden. Where did you all uh, take in the game? Um, <clears throat> well... I uh, I was unlucky. I uh, I tried to leave work early for it. Couldn't get out early enough. So pretty much what happened with me was is I watched about the first quarter and a half at the office on YouTube TV. Then I hopped in Friday LA traffic and made it to the Virginia Tech bar out here, uh, Joxer Dailies, with five minutes to go in the third. And pretty much by that point, it was uh, it was a nice, good ass kicking. So um, that's that's where I watched it. But by that point, when it, when I showed up to the to the bar, I was just like, yeah, I'm not really watching this anymore. It's just kind of <laughs> on TV in the background, and I'm really not happy about it. So yeah, well, uh, at least you didn't have to be there. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I drove down Friday morning. Um, cracked it on, got there around noon, did the whole downtown tailgate thing, saw a ton of friends and uh, went in, sat in my new season's tickets in East and 
you know, <laughs> was really excited because the seats were pretty sweet and uh, stadium actually looked pretty solid with the whiteout. Uh, I know on the on last week's edition here, I was uh, a little skeptical skeptical of how it was going to appear, um, but you know, seems like most people got the memo. Uh, the East Stands was looking pretty good. Uh, I like how the student section had to fill up all the way to the top. Uh, they were kind of boxing them out of the north end zone if they didn't have a ticket there. But I, I think for TV purposes, it looks great uh, to have the top left part of East Stands full for the first time since like 2012 or 2011. Um, but yeah, I was there. It was one of the least fun times I've had in Lane Stadium <laughs> ever. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully Shocker. that's the bottom. Hopefully that's the bottom. <clears throat> I, uh, I was walking upstairs, up the uh, east stand stairs, um, you know, midway through the fourth or right at the end of the fourth after Willis's duck interception that he threw. And I was like, I said to my buddy, hey, is this rock bottom? And <laughs> this guy who was sitting on the aisle, an older gentleman, is <laughs> like, no, nah, man, you weren't here in 1987. <laughs> I was just like, dude, I wasn't alive in 87, <laughs> and we didn't have expectations for our football program in 1987, so, no, this is a new rock bottom, but, uh, hey, I'm I'm still I'm still cheering on the boys, and I'll be tuning in on Saturday, but, uh, yeah, let's talk about this game. Bill, where'd you watch? Were you just, or uh, what was your reaction, I should say? So, I walked in, and, you know, I'm... I'm definitely more on the optimist side, right? So I go in and I'm like, guys, like, chill out, relax, like, you know, enjoy the game. It's gonna be all right. We're, I'm in Boston. I love Boston. It's nice. It's like 50, you know, 58 degrees. Nice, brisk. Got a sweatshirt on. I'm happy. Um, and then we start watching. And first quarter, not gonna lie to you, first quarter, I was like, all right, like we're getting something going. I'm sure Grayson, you caught the first quarter. Pat, we were just talking about it. Uh, the run game was there. We missed a couple open opportunities. Um, we had a pot play down to um, to Phil Patterson down on the uh, near sideline that we dropped uh, or lost the ball in the air. Uh, but definitely moving the ball, it was always just something that kind of ended the drive. And then um, you know, I kind of want to talk about the first touchdown that Duke scored. It was a brilliant play. I'm not sure if either of you got a chance to look at it yet, but it was. Um, it was a fake off of a screen that Duke runs pretty often. And uh, on the near side of the screen, you had a trip set. And uh, the one rod receiver took two steps back to get in a screen look. And uh, corner and the safety both bit hard. Two other wide receivers run up to those dudes like they're going to block them, shed them. And then it's just two guys running wide open in the end zone. So it wasn't as much as a busted coverage as it was um, biting way too hard on a fake screen and a brilliant play call by Cutcliffe. Um, but after that, again, it was just, um, to me, the turning point was the fumble, was the fumble during the mesh. Uh, you brought Hooker into the game to change things a little bit. I believe it was, I believe it was 10-3 at the time. Um, but where did you guys think the game kind of got out of control? Because, I mean, admittedly, unless you guys disagree, I felt like we had a good rhythm in the first quarter and the defense was lights out, only gave up five yards the entire first quarter. I agree. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, I thought the first quarter was awesome. Um, I mean, we held them three and out. Their first three drives, I'm pretty sure our our run defense was completely swallowing them up. And then, you know, they they realized that there was a lot more that they could do in their passing game and slants and whatever they were doing, and it opened us up. Um, I just had 
such an issue with the fact that um, you know, our first offensive drive, McLeese is out there after you know King absolutely tore it up against Furman, you know, two weeks prior. Um, granted, like we were moving the ball here and there, we we're getting chunks of yards on that first drive, uh, um, but you know, not not seeing King get enough carries um, was pretty frustrating. I know McLeese ripped off you know, a, a larger run in the second half or like, um, right at the end of the second quarter. But, uh, I mean, it was really disappointing not seeing King out there at all. And, uh, I know like on our scoring drive, one of the, I think, you know, one of two scoring drives we had the entire game, um, we're first and goal from like the eight yard line. We run two McLeese draws up the middle and then James Mitchell, on a jet sweep that we ran against Furman. It was the exact same play with ACC-level defenders. I mean, they, they saw that play two weeks ago. Why are we running it with James Mitchell? He's not the, not our fastest guy. Um, in fact, why are we running that play at all? We you know we ran it before. That's um, the better question. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was a hot start. I was feeling really confident. Um, I thought we were going to get – honestly, I thought we were – we're gonna blow them out when we were uh, shutting down their offense like that in the first quarter. But then uh, things really took a nosedive after the fumble, and that was all she wrote. Quick, uh, quick uh, side note there on that um, on that drive, and it was the third drive of the game um, when we had uh, it was first and goal on the six. And if you remember, <laughs> the reason we got first and goal down to the six is our far- starting field position um from it was a it was a great punt return by Grimsley he brought it all the way back until the uh, plus 39 yard line we had an interception forgiven on a late hit on the quarterback which got us right half the distance to the goal on Mm -hmm. the six yard line and then again ended up um ended up with a field goal but um Grayson from what you saw where uh what stuck out to you well, you know, the last time we talked, guys, uh, the, the term that I used to describe the things that couldn't happen uh, was henhouse shit. Um, and uh, there was a lot of that in this football game. A lot of that. Um, a lot, uh, total lack of discipline. You know, fumbling the ball, I agree wholeheartedly that the the turning point of the game was that fumble um, as soon as Hooker came in. I don't blame Hooker for it at all. No, I don't I don't blame – who was the runner? Was it McLeese who was in there at the it time? Was, it was King, and I think that's what uh, stunted his carries for the rest of the game. He only had six uh, yes. carries, and okay. that was probably his you know second or third attempt maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. thank you. No, you're, you're exactly right. So basically I was really impressed because the defense was lights out in the first quarter, it just on it looked like Bud Foster defenses of old. I'm like, dang, man, we're really, we're really containing these guys. But as soon as I saw that, like, like, I don't know if you guys remember, Ryan Willis had this beautiful pass over the middle to Trey Turner right oh, in his mitts. And it would have set, we basically, like, would have set up a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Would have been in the red zone, and it popped right out of Trey Turner's hands. And that's kind of when I was like, uh, it's going to be that kind of game. That like, 
That was the fifth drive. That was the fifth drive of the game, and uh, as you said, wide not wide open, but a perfectly placed ball um, to high point it. I'm not sure if he had a step on him or two, if he should have let him, but it was a perfectly placed ball, hit him right in the mitts um, on a yep. po- on a post route. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think that that after that, uh, and it, it, what kind of really let me know what the the state of our our team is right now was that duck interception that Willis had there where it's like he uncle recoded it and just flicked it <laughs> off his wrist like flicked it sideways and he's just like screw it like screw it I don't want the ball anymore you here you guys have it uh and, th- and that's kind of and that was towards the end of the game but we had made so many mistakes up until that point where I was just like I'm not surprised uh, I, I wanted to be I wanted to be pleasantly surprised, but instead, we have our worst home loss in Lane Stadium since Houston in 1974. Um, so that's that's uh, that's kind of what we uh, what we're dealing with right now. To a couple other side notes from uh, I, I just re- I rewatched the game a couple times and um, just noticed a couple things. So shout out to John LaRock on Twitter. If I'm mispronouncing your last name, I apologize. But his name is Jet Sweep U. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch one more time. And we're going to do a little tally guy of the amount of jet sweeps. Because I'm like, you know what? People are probably exaggerating. Probably don't run it that much. <laughs> probably ran it at the goal line. People got mad. We ran jet sweeps <laughs> seven times on Friday night. And two of which, two of the jet sweep plays were for positive yardage. All of the other ones were either for uh, gain of nothing, loss, and I think there was one or two incompletions. And the two gains were for two yards and five yards. So seven sweeps for a grand oh, total. Oh, nice. Uh, averaging That's one yard, good. one right? minute yard per uh, <laughs> per attempt. Um, and uh, before Numbers don't lie. They, they do not. They do not. Um, Cutcliffe came across this gem here. It's a, it's a little wordy. But Duke is eleven and three against the spread and nine and five straight up in the last fourteen games as an underdog. Duke is six and zero against the spread and six and zero straight up in the last six games as an underdog of four points or less. So Cutcliffe is coming in here wheeling and dealing. Under Cutcliffe, Duke is also ten and two against the spread and ten and two straight up when a road underdog. So. A lot of stats there, but basically what it comes down to is Duke is playing damn good football, and Duke is damn well coached by Mr. Cutcliffe. Um, so they came in as two-and-a-half-point underdogs and left. As, um, you know, if you had Duke minus 35, you made a whole t- a whole bunch of money. So that's what it comes down to. 34-and-a-half, <laughs> sorry. Um, quarterback situation. Um, it's something that we're going to get into. Oh, let's table that. Let's table that. That's coming up. Pat, you mentioned <laughs> low point. To me, the game day video was excruciatingly painful. Um, if you have not seen it, it is Kirk Herbstreet, it is Chris Fowler, and whoever the fat guy is who makes all the underdog picks. I constantly forget his name. I think his name's The Bear or something. The Bear. Yeah. Chris, ball. The yeah. Bear Felica. <laughs> yes. The, more like the goat. That guy is awesome. <laughs> Chris The Bear Felica. <laughs> Um, basically says Virginia Tech, and you know the the zinger of the whole video is is it pans right over to Herb Street, and uh, usually emotionless Kirk Herb Street 
looks into the camera and says, mouths, oh my God, and vocalizes, it's so bad. It's so bad. Pat, Grayson, I know you guys have been lifelong Virginia Tech fans. Can you guys just weigh in on where this ranks on on that scale of uh, of low moments here? Yeah, so uh, this is a low point. But before we get into that, I want to point out, you could see the emotion on Chris Fowler's face. You can see the emotion on Herb Street's face. Palpable. But the but bear didn't give a crap. <laughs> Felica <laughs> has been hammering, uh, hammering whoever's playing tech uh, with the points or uh, taking whoever to cover against us because we're 0-4 against the spread. And that guy is paying for his grandkids' college tuition <laughs> off of our football games. Uh, he doesn't have the emotional attachment that Fowler and Herb Street have to Blacksburg. Um, you know, coming to college game day in 1999, they came twice. They came for um, Syracuse and Miami as well. And, uh, you know, Virginia Tech was pretty much the school that helped college game day burst out onto the scene, was breaking attendance records for, uh, you know, home crowds. If you look at old film, you could see the college game day crew in Lane Stadium, and you know they got thousands of people behind them. Um, actually, like in the East Stands, I think it was. I was only you know four or five years old, so don't remember too well. But um, I mean, you see the raw emotion. They, they want us to do well because they know that when we're playing well, it's good for college football. You know, our brand of football is um, you know what they like to see and. Our identity is something that has completely gone by the wayside, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I want to hear what Grayson has to say, but uh, it's it's not fun seeing them react like that because you know they care so much because it's it's so good for the game. I think the the saddest thing about it is I feel like those guys Fowler Herb Street. And Lee Corso, who wasn't there in the video and really isn't there any day of the week now, no offense. Um, That's really mean and morbid, but it's the truth. Anyway, um, those guys, Virginia Tech, the Hokie Nation, we helped them in a time where they were had just burst onto the scene. College game day was like taking baby steps. Uh, with the being on campus and the headgear and all that. And it was really Virginia Tech, unbiased, who was that crazy fan base who no matter what, no matter if we were 40-point underdogs, it didn't matter. We always showed out. We always made signs. And we just took it to another level. And I think because of that, those guys feel this like forever indebted to us because of how much we helped them and how much we helped make them look good and just this crazy atmosphere that we created for them. And we were passionate and we cared so much. And so I'm sure it's hard for them because when that was going on, we were, Michael Vick was our our quarterback and we're, you know, national championship 
contenders at that at that point you know eventually we end up going and playing for a national championship so there's this nostalgia factor there and to see us fall from grace 20 years later after having so many 10 win seasons and going to countless bcs bowl games i'm sure that's very difficult for them just like probably a lot of other college football fans who don't even like Virginia Tech that much. It's just like, dang, man. Like, Virginia Tech is garbage. And I'm sure that hurts. I, I completely agree. I think, I, I think um, maybe not indebted, but I know what you're saying. They, they have an emotional connection um, from being there after even the shooting, too. I mean, they were in town um, back in uh, years and years and years ago when they were there. We played, I believe, ECU. They were in town for Correct. that game as well. Um, and, you know, it's a shame. You can tell how much uh, Fowler and Herb Street just have an affection for Bud Foster and um, Coach Beamer and um, just being in town. And, um, you know, it's a shame. So moving moving on from the Duke game and kind of, you know, the meat and potatoes here of what we're, what we're here to talk about is, is, is basically the 2019 season, the state of the program, and just kind of a group discussion of where we are where were we, and where is this headed? Um, and, uh, you know, to preface this, I really wanted to give you guys an opportunity, uh, again, being lifelong fans, um, just to talk about, you know, what was Virginia Tech? You know, you two have both been going to games since, you know, as long as you guys can remember, um, and you saw those 10-win seasons, you saw, you know, the coach turnover, you saw, you know, some great, great teams. What was kind of, if you could sum up Virginia Tech in a couple of words or a couple of moments or a couple of traditions, what is Virginia Tech football? And, um, you know, kick us off, Pat. Yeah, so um, I think of a lot of things um, going back to, you know, pretty ACC days in the Big East um, and then those early ACC glory days, um, you know, Coach Beamer, Coach Foster, we're going to run the ball. We're going to hit you in the mouth on defense. We're going to force some turnovers. We're going to get some sacks. And we're probably going to block a punt. Um, Coach Beamer called special teams pride and joy. And, uh, I mean, I don't even know the stats for blocked kicks um, you know, during the Beamer era. But, uh, you know, during the late 1990s, early 2000s, it was absolutely absurd um how many how many kicks we would block whether it was a field goal whether it was a punt um you you knew that coach beamer's best athletes on the entire team were on special teams and they were coming after the kicker they were coming after the punter and the most scared guy on the field (laughs) was the kicker or the punter because they knew that there there was a threat um i think of that i think of guys who just played with a ton of passion a ton of grit um and you know these are these are two and three star recruits that were just coached up to schemes that worked. Um, yeah, you think of a guy like Cam Chancellor, two star quarterback coming out of high school, and <laughs> I don't know who recruited Chancellor, but um, you know he he turned out pretty good. Um, you know, you think of guys like Ike Charlton and Corey Moore, um, Anthony Midget, Ronnie L. Whitaker. 
And then you got, you know, your more talented guys like the Fullers and D'Angelo Hall and, of course, Michael Vick, Kevin Jones, um, you know, Jake Grove. Uh, you just think of just Hokies who just knew how to win. They just had such a winning culture. But then uh, <clears throat> that's more like on the field stuff, but then even like more culturally and around game day, like you think of different traditions that are more than just Anderson, man. You know, you have um, you have the Skipper Cannon, which is still a mainstay today. Um, I feel like I feel like more people brought their keys to games, and key play was great. And then uh, you know you'd you'd be loud on third down, but with the special teams, you'd be even louder on fourth down because you knew that the threat was coming. Um, I think of. Uh, I was at a game, I think it was either 2002 or 2003, and Lee Suggs uh, had torn his ACL. Um, I believe the injury was right at the beginning of the year or was missing the entire season. And uh, instead of let's go Hokies that are on you know, the big cards, they had it get well Lee Suggs. And I thought that was one of the coolest things that um, I've ever seen in Lane Stadium, you know, rallying behind one of the star players who's sideline for the entire year. Um, but yeah, I, I know Grayson can definitely fill in some of these blanks here, but uh, you know, m- the main thing is just people play it. They played harder um, than what we're seeing today. And also, you know, there's more to the football program than just a song that has been playing, you know, since 2000 or 99 or whatever the first year was. I mean, I, I love understand man just as, much as the next guy, but you know, going back, going to games in the early 2000s, Enter Salmon was not the most exciting part of the game at all. Not yeah. at all. You didn't go for Enter Salmon. You're like, oh yeah, that's the song they play before we come onto the field. Right before were, we whoop some ass. Yeah, we we didn't have any, we didn't have any fireworks. We didn't have the light show. You know, couldn't afford it. We couldn't like, afford it. We didn't. We didn't. It, and we didn't need it. We didn't need it. Um, oh. You know, the most exciting part was seeing Coach Beamer lead those guys out of the tunnel, and you know, you get to see who's carrying the American flag, and um, you know, let's go, let's go kick some butt. But that was it, and we loved it, you know. But yeah, Grayson, fill in some blanks. It was uh, it was special, man. I, I, w- I always remember going to to games, and the ones that will always be most special to me are the ones that that I went to with my dad and. And my brothers, and it was just us, you know. And it it was, uh, it was different. Pat Pat is exactly right. It was different. Stars next to a player's name on twenty four seven didn't matter. We were we were a dog breeder. We bred pit bulls. The players that came out, you know, the players that Beamer and Foster and Coach Cav found, Coach Height, you name it. It didn't matter. They were just Virginia-bred boys with this bite and this grit, and you had to keep them on a leash because they were mean. And they they were just a different type of aggressive. And it was to see them play, it was like, Bill, we, we talked about this not too long ago. Dude, it was like that, that 99 team, some of these teams didn't have all this quote-unquote star power but they had some of the toughest son of free sobs 
that have ever walked down that tunnel and touched that rock. Like, it, it was just a different time, and Lane Stadium was more intense. Like, Lane Stadium, the, the alert, it was the terror dome. It was the terror dome. It would be so loud in there that you couldn't hear yourself think. And I can't remember the last time where it was – I mean, Lane Stadium's loud. I'm talking, like, college game day, Saturday night, Virginia Tech is winning loud. It was just – and then – Whit Babcock, if you were listening to this, one thing that Pat did not say, and I'm glad that he let me say it, I need you to bring back Stick It In yesterday. <laughs> because these kids, yeah, I, you know, I, I ask all my hokey friends who, who either went to school with me or a couple years younger, a couple years older, like, do you know what Stick It, is? Stick it In is? Oh, yeah. No, we know what Stick It In is. Stick It In. Stick It In. And that just... That makes my blood boil. That's no, 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 the more you know, I'm just saying, the fact that it was ever banned is absolute bullcrap, and uh, I'm the biggest advocate out there for bringing it back. But uh, So, Whit Babcock, I love you. I think you've done a lot of great things. That's number one on your list now. Bring that back. <laughs> so those, those are the gaps. So here we go. Here's what I want to do. I don't want. I don't want to make this a eulogy. What I want to do is I want to put ourselves in a situation. And that was both great, guys. I mean, to me, you guys basically hit everything. Um, just, just we kind of rambled. Sorry. No, no. I mean, it's something that you're extremely like, passionate about, and, and and that the fan base is extremely passionate about. And I think that's what. I think that's what's not. That's what's good is you know a lot of a lot of fans are are frustrated, and you know a lot of ugly things are said and felt and. Um, you know, it hurts because of how special it really is. And, you know, we have to get it right, get it fixed. And that's kind of what this next segment is, is I want to understand what are we doing now? What are we not doing? And um, that we need to get back to or that we need to get away from just in terms of, of uh, you know, you alluded to some of it. And I'll give some of my examples here first to kind of set the table. Uh, the smoke grenade thing's ridiculous. I hate the smoke grenade thing. We're running out of the tunnel. You got these smoke grenades. You know, I've heard that they smell horrible, and, and it just looks goofy. And like you said, I mean, what it comes down to, and um, the, the kind of term that I use here is, is you're never going to out-cool Miami or Florida State or Clemson. And I frankly don't want to. I don't have an interest in, in being the cool cats or like doing the cool stuff or doing the, you know, the swag stuff or whatever. I, I, I really want to see a product that's just like these dudes come out here and beat the hell out of whoever they're playing. And it's in black, little podunk Blacksburg, Virginia, and people are terrified to come there. And, um, you know, I feel like we keep doing these things and adding these quirks and turns and, 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 and little, you know, things and beta mode's got he's probably the biggest speaker there is about it um mr hill <laughs> talking about the uniforms and the socks and you know when he was playing and he's right they just came out there and none of that mattered nobody nobody's committing to virginia tech because of 
a smoke grenade or or any of that or any of that stuff, and it's just a distraction. Um, and I, I, I don't smoke know. grenades. I think that's that's <laughs> like the na- biggest. Or name that tune. The orange smoke. Uh, name or that like tune. Na- name that tune, or you know, oh, which songs we play at the beginning of the third quarter? No one cares. There's football on. Let's win. What what was the game? What was the game atmosphere like, Pat? Like I, I heard a couple things of the halftime thing was not great for the '99 team. I like to hear about that, and also I, I've heard some complaints about the announcer and the song choice. Oh my god! You're gosh. not in the band enough. So can you kind of run down what the actual game atmosphere was compared to what it what it has been? Yeah. So um, Grayson's a big stick it in guy. Um, you know. I love that cheer too. I remember the last time I think I ever heard it live um, was, or I don't even know if the band was playing it, but we were all yelling it at the Chick-fil-A bowl in 2006 um, when Brandon Orr was sticking it in, scoring touchdowns. Um, I have a huge issue with the fact that Bill McChain is no longer the uh, RPA announcer. Uh, I mean, he's, he had been in seat there for 20 years, and he was literally what shaped my fall Saturdays as a kid. And I'm, I'm from New Jersey. I would go to one game a year, pretty much one game a year, maybe two if I got lucky. But um, <laughs> Bill McChain's voice, that dude's voice is so unique and so awesome. Yeah. You know, first down, Hokies. Yeah. <laughs> you know. At the end of the first quarter, Virginia Tech seven, Virginia nothing. You know, every... negative, <laughs> negative seven. Michael Brewer pass complete to Isaiah Ford. You know, it's just like this dude is awesome. I love his voice. I love his enthusiasm. He is irreplaceable. Like I don't I agree. care. I don't care what the circumstances. Like you cannot remove that guy from his seat in the PA box. Like that is just disrespectful um also like um kind of throwing back to the uh the older days um so they would have a uh, another pa announcer that wasn't uh bill mcchain his name was tony disler he actually passed away a couple years ago he was outstanding too and he would um announce the marching virginians the when they marching would go out. virginians every <laughs> hokey's favorite, favorite song. song and then tech, tech triumph, triumph. <laughs> and then tech triumph plays and like i feel like i don't hear tech triumph play at football games anymore i don't hear vpi victory march play at football games anymore maybe i don't hear it because uh you know, we're not getting that many first downs. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Cause I know they play a little riff of it after first downs, but where the heck is it? Like, I don't need to hear, you know, closer Lil by John. the chain smokers. Yeah. No, closer is a good song, but I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to hear turbulence by Lil John, the most overplayed song in professional and college sports by a mile. We hit turbulence and then, you know, oh, let's pan to the student section. Yeah, let's pan to the student section. They're all jumping up and down and getting wild. Like, no, like, let, like, just let it happen. Like, let some things naturally happen. Enter Sandman's tradition. I'm pretty sure it started because uh, 
because it was so cold one night and a song came on and they were all jumping around. There's an article about it. I don't know. But Pat, it was... Pat, 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 Pat. Go ahead. Go it, ahead. Go ahead. It was at the 2000 Georgia Tech game, man. The flash flood. It was cold and raining. I just read about this in Andy Bitter's 100 <laughs> Things Every Virginia oh. Tech Fan Should Know. This nice is why plug. we do this. <laughs> this is why we do this. Go check that book out, Andy. I got you. You helped my uh, you helped my Infinity War, excuse me, my Endgame trailer out, so I will gladly pay it forward. But it was that night. That was the first time they did it. That's, that's the same night that lightning struck Lee Corso's car. Lightning hit his car. I don't know what a hokey is, but God is one of them. Go um, Virginia Tech. Go Virginia yeah. Tech. But, uh, yeah, so that's where we are. But, um, I mean, you take away Bill McChain. We don't hear the band play. Hokey you got Pokey's hokey, gone. You got the okay. The Hokey Pokey's gone, and you got the lamest thing in the world when they have someone come out. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, it was in between the third and fourth quarter. Now oh it's between god. the first and second quarter. I don't get it. We need to get rid of the whole "Let's Go Hokies" thing. Like it is so cheesy. Weak. It doesn't make sense. It's not natural. No. You got to get it in that in a natural setting where no, like it's it's a big moment. It's in between a timeout. Um, let's get the cheerleaders to just hold up the signs and mm. it's naturally going to happen. You hold the sign and they say it, not, oh, here we go. It's part of the, uh, it's all part of the script. Let's just run to the script because that's what we're going to do. Time, now, out. Time let's, out, though. Let's be a little bit more organic. Time out. I will say it's worked one time. It's worked one time. They did quite When it counted. They did it when one it time. counted, baby. With Sam Rogers. Before uh, during the UVA game, okay, and right. he did an yep. excellent job. But the reason it was excellent was he because did. was because his was again very much more natural. It wasn't just a guy getting up there and they're like, "Hey, you mind doing this?" And so then it's, they already feel awkward about it, and they get up there. I remember when Corey Moore did it; I almost wanted to like evaporate into thin air. I was like, "Dude, this is <laughs> well, Corey Corey Moore is not a spotlight guy, dude." He That's never has been. Corey Moore loves the spotlight, man. Dude. Get these cameras out of my face, man. I don't Dude. care about the new millennium. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going out. <laughs> it was. Um, I don't care about the new millennium. I don't care about the new millennium. <laughs> that thing. Uh, Go it, look up on YouTube. Please. Corey Moore ain't having it. Uh, before, <laughs> this was before the Sugar Bowl, uh, January 4th, 2004. You know why he did Corey that? Corey Moore freaked out on the reporters. Hilarious. I have a theory, but I want to hear what you're saying. He did that to take uh, media attention and pressure off Vic. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Another thing that Brilliant. I learned in, in Andy Vitter's book. And <laughs> another thing I told man, but I, I, that book has taught me a bunch. Of How much know. kickback are you getting from uh, from from uh, the Bitter Bank account here, Grayson? Are you get you bet. I hope you're doing a little. Uh, you're getting some a little royalty. bit of kickback. I, here. Some royalties. No, I smell a royalty deal. Are you? I, I, I got. <laughs> Bitter and I got nothing going on under the table, no monetary transactions going on. But I think what we're talking about, I think it's hilarious that I've read about these things over the past week. Okay. Um, and yeah, so just I'm, make sure at checkout, you guys type in uh, uh, Wimbush Hokey VT uh, during checkout, and you can get twenty percent off of your uh, your hard copy. <laughs> Oh, but man. but w- Wimbush with an I, so yes. it's Wimbish. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yes. Wow, I do that all the time. I'm sorry, Grayson. We've been talking. No, no, you're, you're you're good, dude. It's it's funny when you do it. It's really annoying when other people do it. You know, I know Wimbush. Right. So it's, it's 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 an easy it's yeah. an easy mistake. Um, right, I've got, let's, I've got, let's, let's get back on track here. <laughs> yeah, as I was saying, 
um, you know, let's let it happen naturally. Okay, let's mm. let's talk about the hokey lights thing. Um, oh. You guys weren't in attendance, but we're down. I think we were down like thirty-one to ten. We still and, did it. And yeah, yeah. Things that people don't know if they weren't at the game, the hokey lights thing still happened. Um, there was uh, thirty thousand people left for it, and it's like, yeah, everybody go and pull up your hokey lights app and turn it on and it's gonna have an awesome show and like maybe less than seven or eight thousand people turned on their things and it was just like you know like ever hear of calling an audible and saying hey maybe we shouldn't do this <laughs> you know or like oh how about like I get it. Hokey Lights is cool for the basketball games. Bill and I were at the Georgia game. I was about Georgia to say Notre Dame, it. About to say it. And that was just natural. They don't, I mean. They don't even have to ask. They don't have to ask. They every single, they don't have to every ask. single student, every single alumni, every single person in that stadium pulls out their phone and turns their light on. And this is like, we're doing this now. And we're guess doing what? It. And guess what? It's not an it app. It was awesome. It's just the flashlight. <laughs> it's just the flashlight. Uh, you don't need an app. No. It's just it's just the flashlight, I, dude. You're you're 100 percent right. It almost seems like there's so many things going on that are not related to play on the field. And I understand that. Did you guys? A, go ahead. Did you guys see the sky? There were skydivers at halftime of the game too. Oh um, god! So like, so like <laughs> we had the skydivers for Clemson two years ago. We had them warranted. again for Notre Dame. It's warranted. Then, yes. Oh yeah. Complete. You got college game day. You pull out every single stop there is. Yes. You do yeah. everything if college game day is in town. Yes. But there, there is a time and place. Notre Dame last year striped the stadium. Looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Sick. Um, you know the skydiver, <laughs> American flag, rocket thing. Really cool. Duke at halftime like was. I understand what it might have been supposed to be for the military appreciation game. Um, why don't we just save it in the budget for next year when Penn State comes to town instead of just looking stupid, honestly? I, you know, we're down we're down 21 points or something at halftime when we got these skydivers coming in. It's just like... <laughs> I, here's here's my thing. I didn't, here's my th- home, I didn't feel home anymore. We'll, we'll put it that way. I'd rather <laughs> listen to the band play uh, VT Rock This House or Carry On My Wayward Son. Than, oh, my gosh. You know. <laughs> here's my thing. So I'm all about, like, what what our athletic department has tried to do and like making game day an experience. But here's, here's they've, they've tried to do a little too much. Mm-hmm. Like let's, let's have a healthy balance balance of our football team is uh, good and kicking our opponents rear end. And then, you know, game day can, can we, we can have fun things and nice things but there, there has to be a correlation there. You like Patson. You can't be doing the hokey freaking app light that you can totally just turn on with the tap of a button on your on your iPhone when you're down by twenty one points at halftime. And it's like it's like some of this stuff. It's like if you're winning, you do it. If if you if you aren't, then you don't. And then there are some things like Bill, you you said to lead this off. So like the 
the funfetti, like whatever the blue, the orange smoke, like smoke grenades. That's it's weak. It's weak. It's soft. It's, it's so soft. It's, yeah, it is. I, it, like, it's soft. It, it, game day, like we were just talking about what we miss. Game day in Blacksburg, in Lane Stadium. It's not the Terror Dome anymore. Not because it's not loud. It's because it's like a Tempur-Pedic pillow. Fam, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a blue, it's supposed to be blue it's collar. Soft. It's supposed to be blue collar, yeah. not like an EDM concert. Like leave the EDM yeah, concerts no, to dude. like the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 and like you know <laughs> like yeah, these other schools. Dude, like That's Coachella's in Cali, bro. Yeah, come Coachella's on. at like freaking UCLA. They can party like that at the Rose Bowl on Saturday because their team sucks. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I want. I want a football to like. I, I come to these games to see us win, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, that like Bud Foster says, what's important now? That's what's important right. is winning football games, mm-hmm. not oh, dude, uh, 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 let's do grenades. Let's get him. Yeah, it's it's gonna be crazy, man. Fans are gonna love that. Vi- like, yeah, visuals, man. Visual. No, win. Mm-hmm. W- just win, baby. Just win. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're you're coming you're coming home for homecoming. What in two weeks, Grayson? You're not two flying weeks. from L.A. to two different airports so you for can smoke see, grenades. You know, some smoke no, bombs. No. Call of Duty comes Katie out in like Perry. two weeks. Yeah, coming to see us beat those freaking UNC double A cheating bastards down there from Chapel Hill. That's uh, and 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 to see my homeboys. PSA, by the way, I'll I'll gladly announce this. We will be doing a uh, live episode of the podcast in Blacksburg oh, in a couple of weeks. Um, I didn't so, know about this. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, News now. News to you, so. Mr. Finn. News to you. Yeah. Not only can you cop a 25% off Andy Bitter book, but you are also going to be featured on a live podcast in Blacksburg, Virginia. <laughs> I'm just dropping all kinds of info tonight, y'all. Um, yeah, you got any, scoops, got any scoops for us or what? <laughs> Guys, I can't. <laughs> I nah, think the uh, no scoops. the next thing here for us to cover is we've gotten away from actual football, and I want to I want to open it up to you guys and, and say, all right, <laughs> here we go. Here comes week here comes week five. What what do we need to see moving forward? Now you know, take this how you want it. If it's if it's whatever you guys think needs to change, I'll kick it off with just what I think needs to change next week. And again. Love everybody that's involved with the program. Obviously, it's been a major disappointment this season. There's, there's, there's really no way around that. Um, and these are just, you know, what I've seen or some stats that I've looked at that maybe um, make a little bit more sense. But I think, I think you definitely have to roll with another quarterback on Saturday, and also give them the opportunity to get in a rhythm. I think that. Especially mm-hmm. last week, they yeah. were teasing the idea of, "Hey, like, let, let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do." Quincy Patterson took one snap. It was a run. I would have bet my non-existent mortgage that there was no way it was going to be anything that looked like uh, a pass set. And you know that is what it is. It's not going to be him. You guys can cheer as loud as you want for him in the stadium when he comes in. Obviously not ready. Um, but Hooker, he touched the ball 19 times. He took a he took 19 snaps here and there was very spread out didn't really have a lot of consistency and he was the primary ball carrier or throwing the ball five times out of those 19 snaps uh, his snaps went literally handoff 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 fake pitch for five yards fumble on the mesh handoff pass that turned into a run for six yards 
handoff, pass, and completion, pass plus seven, QB run, minus two, turnover on downs, handoff, 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 handoff. Um, so Sounds very predictable. I think, I, I think you need to put an athlete in position to succeed and an athlete in position to get into open space. Um, you know, if he comes in and, 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 you know, clearly is not as, uh, as good of a thrower as he needs to be, you got to try something different. You're two and two, you're going to Miami. Um, Miami is more athletic at every position, but at the end of the day, you have a, um, I, I really think that's the one thing you got to see change. Um, at least at a bare minimum this week. Um, what, what do y'all think in terms of, you know, short term changes? I like First off, I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is true, and I don't want to speak on it if it's not, but uh, there was some article that was written today where a wide receiver leaked that Hooker was starting on Saturday. Is is that confirmed? Like, I don't know if it is. I think that's a great place to start because mm-hmm. uh, first off, let me preface this by saying this. You know, if any player ever listens to this, I'm not, and and I think this goes without saying for Bill and Pat as well. Nobody's trying to call any player out. Mm. Nobody's trying to badmouth any player or bring anybody down like that. Just kind of, you know, what, kind of what we see. Ryan Willis has thrown a lot of interceptions and had a lot of turnovers in the first uh, four weeks of Hokie football. Um, and now people are that that is definitely a cause for concern. So I think Hooker has to be your starting man. He's more built for this type of offense that Fuente runs. Uh, you know, he's he's built for he is a scram. He's a dual threat quarterback, built for an RPO offense. Um, I worry a little bit about his ability to throw the football because, uh, well, we haven't really seen it, and that's not his fault. Um, that's the play that goes to play calling. But I think the the main thing that we have to do this weekend is, uh, you know, Trayvon Hill is is going to be out for blood, and we have to keep a clean uh, clean head on our shoulders because he's probably going to try and bring out the absolute worst in some of our players. Things are going to get very chippy, very fast, and I hope that the players realize to be the bigger team, the bigger people, and to not let him or any of the other Miami players get to their heads. Um, that's that's the main the main thing that I see. I don't know. There's talk about – this This is a rumor as well that they're thinking about redshirting Dax Hollifield going forward. I don't know if that's true, but he has – not played as well in recent weeks do you start alan tisdale over him do you start dylan rivers over him that's kind of a question mark don't really know what's going on there but my main thing i think would just be don't let the trayvon hill drama cause any problems that are going to get yellow flags thrown in the air on our end. Pat, what you got? Yeah, so um, back to quarterback play. Hooker, I do think he's starting. I think that's the rumor. I think it's true. Um, 
I know Hooker had kind of has like a uh, an issue with his left shoulder, so his non-throwing shoulder. Um, Willis has the left foot issue. Um, not sure what he did to it, but I don't know if Willis is going to play or not. Some people are saying he's out, but um, I, you know, if Hooker's a starter, I want Hooker in every single play. And then if you want to incorporate Quincy where we need to, like make it unpredictable. But um, you know. The two-quarterback system has worked in the past, you know, back 2007-2008 with Tyrod Taylor, Sean Glennon. Um, but, you know, that was completely different. You know, Tyrod won three ACC championships. Glennon was the uh, 2008 ACC championship MVP. You know, he uh, – he earned 2007. He could sling it. Um, he was definitely a little more um, conscious about ball security than Willis. But um, I definitely – would want to see um, them let Hooker throw the ball. He threw two passes last Friday. He also looked pretty good in the run game as far as like um, that one play in the first half kind of gave a little shake and bake, had an awesome move, you know, gained seven or eight yards. Um, but, you know, I don't want to see him um, in the shotgun just doing halfback draws the entire game. Um, I want to see him line up under center. That would be awesome. I think the play calling is really going to be um, most important here. There were so many questionable play calls, um, you know, throughout the entire game pertaining to quarterback play. Um, you talk about just putting in Quincy. It's like Quincy has not played the first three games versus OD, you know, including ODU and Furman. You're going to stick him in against Duke on a drive that we have momentum just to dive forward for two yards and then take him out and not let him play the rest of the game. Like what exactly is the strategy behind that? Um, kind of clueless. I have no idea. And then um, we had a fourth and one. Uh, I think it was in the mm-hmm. third quarter and hooker lines up in the shotgun. I think McLeese uh, was in the shotgun with him and there wasn't even any play action or anything um, or RPO hooker just pretty much just ran into one of his own guys and stopped for like a three yard loss. It was just like, what are we trying to accomplish here on this mm-hmm. fourth and one? You know, um, I think with Fuente's offense, he needs his quarterback to be the best leader on the field, the smartest guy on the field and the most talented player on the field. And, and, in the event that he doesn't check those boxes, it kind of is a domino effect for the rest of the offensive strategy and the rest of the team. I mean, you know, Gerard Evans in 2016 was all of that because he could run the ball. He had a cannon and he was smart. You know, he, he came in as a very developed quarterback and knew how to run uh, the playbook. Jackson, you know, was a very solid game manager and, you know, did a little bit of the same. Um, I still wonder and scratch, scratch my head what Josh Jackson could be doing um, today if he was still in our offense. But ultimately, you know, Fuente needs a guy who's going to be able to run everything, and he hasn't found it at this point. I think Braxton Burmeister would be that guy this year too. Um, but, you know, he had to sit out. So I'm, uh, I'm very interested to see, you know, how much um, flexibility we give Hooker, how much he – he can throw how much we let him throw um but yeah it should be very interesting and yeah i you know to your point grayson um you know i 
I'm with you there. Like, I completely support the players more than anything. I know on the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, uh, where they talk about college football, one of them had mentioned how, um, you know, a ton of the attrition and negative energy is, you know, because of the bad eggs in Virginia Tech's locker room and, and that, you know, people were trying to lose games last year and all this and that. I don't think there's a single bad egg in this entire program right now. I really don't. Um, I just think they're young. I think they could use some solid coaching and solid play calling, and ultimately the cream will rise. But you know, <clears throat> I, I look at this team, and I think the character is fantastic, and they're just young and have a lot to prove. But you know, I don't think there's negative energy from the players at all. I think more so um, it's it's a coaching thing, and that's really what it boils down to. But uh, I'll end I this think, uh, tangent here. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, man. No, no. Well, no, well, oh, was that was that it? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, okay. Well, I was just gonna say, man. Uh, a team is only good is only as good as its coach uh, and its coaching staff. And I don't blame the players. Right, really for for any of this, uh, we were talking the other day. I mean, th- there really is so much talent on this team. And Pat, you brought up a great point off off the podcast uh, to Bill and I. I think a couple of days ago, and you said you feel for the guys who took a chance on us, like Trey Turner, and and. The, the guys who were so highly recruited, the Chamari Connors, the Dax Hollifields, uh, the Quincy Pattersons, the Hendon Hookers, you know. And I still think at the end of the day, all of those players are infuriatingly talented. Um, but right now, the, this coaching staff, again, you know, I'm not trying to single anybody out, but something is not working. So clearly, something is not working. You mean the turkey bacon uh, wasn't good enough? Yeah, turkey bacon wasn't good enough. Something is not not working because recruiting has slipped big time. Foster is on the out. He's retiring at the end of this season. And now it's just kind of like, okay, where do we go from here? Like, So I, I don't blame what has happened this season on the players. I want to come out. Like, I want to come out and say, I, very well said by both of you. Completely agree. And I'm gonna. And I don't mean to cut you off, Grace. I just wanted to get this before we got removed from this point. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. There have been some extremely questionable decisions and um, and outcomes with related to coaching and and other things. And we can get into that in a second. But I just want to. I want to point out some facts that. That people seem to be to be just forgetting about. Okay, a lot of this comes down to having the right personnel, having personnel that have been in a certain system for a good amount of time. I'm not I, I'm not going to focus on the defense in particular right now, because the defense has got a lot of issues, and you know there are a lot of reasons why there are those issues. But here are the facts. Okay, you want to talk about recruiting? All right. It has definitely slipped this last year. The recruiting class has not signed anybody anywhere yet. Nobody has any final numbers. The, the class goes up and down as it is. The facts are, in 2016, we had the eighth, uh, the eighth best 
recruiting class in the ACC. That was with half a year, less than half a year of uh, Fuente doing the recruiting. In 2017, we signed the fourth best class. In 2018, we signed the fifth best class. And in 2019, we signed the third best class. All the best that we've had in years. On offense, talking about the guys that took a chance on us, our offensive line, who has been actually formidable through the first couple of games, um, and played really well, bar, uh, including the injuries that we've seen. Terrell Smith getting hurt in the last game and Zachariah Hoy getting yeah. hurt against Boston Jeez. College. From left to right, you have sophomore, sophomore, freshman, freshman, sophomore playing on this offensive line. Okay, So keep, let's keep that in mind as well. At the wide receiver position, you have three juniors, three freshmen, and one sophomore. Okay, All of which, again, granted, the offense is underachieving. There is a lot of talent on this team. But I'm just these are these are facts. Quarterback, you have a senior, followed by a sophomore and a freshman. The sophomore and a freshman are two of the highest talented recruits that we've had. Have they panned out or fit found kind of their their groove yet? No. But granted, they also haven't been given the opportunity to display that talent. Um, and then just to touch on defense, um, the defensive linemen, excluding freshmen, because there are a couple of freshmen that are massive and need to get in shape. Two players on our defensive line are over 275 pounds. On the entire roster, excluding freshmen, there are two players over 275 pounds on our defensive line. And while I agree with you that there's a lot of talent, you have to understand Coach Fuente has done a formidable job recruiting. The areas for, of concern for me, for me are the, de- the defense has been, has been a serious issue. Um, and drive stoppers have been a serious issue, and player development is something that I've taken a look at. A look at guys who have played for a good amount, and you know we got to get to the point where these guys are getting significantly better each year. Um, and I think that's one thing that has stuck out to me as something we need to get better at. But uh, you know, in terms of you know what needs to change, I think um, I think it's definitely more centered around. You got to understand, guys. I mean, it's frustrating. It's two years in a row where we've had this this rough start, but um, we have talent on the football field. I think it's figuring out how to put them in the position to succeed and giving them the um, the confidence to go out and do that. And again, like you guys mentioned in this Duke game, I didn't get the sense that the team quit. I didn't get the sense that the team was giving up on the game. It's it really comes down to scheme and putting players in the right position, which comes down to coaching, but it still remains the recruiting classes that we have in the books and the young uh, talent that we have on the field. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I get it. The talent is there. I mean, the, I think, uh, I don't remember who tweeted it out over the summer, but we've had more, you know, there's more uh, four-star talent on this team than like any other team we've ever had. Um, granted, they're all, they're all freshmen and sophomores. Um, but, like, we still managed to score points last year. Mm-hmm. And even though we were giving up a lot more points, we were still putting up 24, 28, 31 points a game. And <laughs> the play calling, I, I just don't get it. I don't know how they can't figure it out. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm no expert in any way, shape, or form, but, like, even at Boston College, like the offense was clicking most of the game. We just turned it over, mm-hmm. uh, you know, three picks and then Grimsley's muff punt. Um, I just don't understand why Keyshawn King isn't getting more carries. 
I don't understand why we don't throw the ball downfield. The talent is there, and the guys aren't quitting, and I love that. Um, but you know, schematically, I'm I'm kind of just at a loss. You know, I I really I don't know, Bill. <laughs> I think I think something that's concerning for me that I've noticed a gradual decline in is in Fuente's first season. You know, he he preached the. You bring your own energy. You know, it was all about that. I had the players hyping up the crowd as they would run into the end zone after the opening kickoff. And the players were gassed, just like so hyped up on the sidelines. Sean Hules camp, baby. You know, standing on the bench. What else you got, Sean Hules camp? Like, you know, they, they were just stoked out of their mind to be playing football. Didn't matter if it was Furman. Didn't matter if it was Clemson, baby. They were they were jacked up. And guess right. what? They won 10 games. Bill, you were on that team, dog. Like, you were on that team and played for Fuente with you. You were at the Belt Bowl. Like, you were one of those players doing that with a towel, you know, over your head, freaking out. And it's like every year that's waned. And it's gotten just less and less and less apparent and it's like i the, david cunningham shout out david cunningham tweeted a picture of the bench at the duke game and it was just like i would say at the, at in this picture 80% of our players are sitting on the bench and like there's just no energy mm-hmm. there there's just no energy and again Again, I don't blame the players for that. And granted, I you know, if it were me, I'd be freaking out because I'm just an energetic person. But if the coaches won't like that, that's a serious coaching problem that your team is not hyped up, regardless of whether or not you're losing. Because that wasn't that was not how it was when Fuente first took over. We won that freaking belt bowl, 35 unanswered points. Nobody was sitting on the bench. At halftime of that game, because you had kids who stunned, had, stepped up to the you plate. Had Sam Rogers, man. you had Sam Rogers. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, you had Sam Rogers in that locker room, banging his head on the lockers. You know, just all cut up, blood everywhere, and just bleeding. He's like, yeah, like let's go. Like just had the guys juiced, mm-hmm. ready to play. And it's like I don't, I don't know if. Reggie Floyd is that guy, or or who is you know? Seems to be Dax is full of energy, but I think it's harder to be energetic when you're losing, and it's just a player who's taking charge. But if the coaches feel defeated, then the team is going to feel defeated. And from what I saw in this Duke game, Fuente, it was just like, I don't care. You know, they're beat, they're boat racing us, and he was just like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know what happened. I, yeah, I, I'll, I agree. I'm going to jump in real quick, Bill. Um, November of 2016, Fuente's first year, we go up to Notre Dame, play at Notre Dame Stadium for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, off week from the ACC, but we're in the driver's seat of the Coastal Division. You know, this game doesn't even matter for the ACC, but it's, you know, it's a huge one 
for us just for national prominence. You know, it's Notre Dame. Um, and Fuente gets so fired up and gets an sports, unsportsmanlike conduct call because he's completely in disagreement with the ref over – I don't remember what the call was. But he he defended his players and he defended his team because – he disagreed and he wanted to show his team that, hey, listen, guys, I have your back. I might be new here, but I have your back. We have not seen that Fuente since that day. <laughs> Honestly, I don't I don't recall any other any other moment or game when he's shown that passion. But that passion oozes down, uh, you know, to the entire team, to, you know, to your Sam Rogers type uh, guys. And, you know, it starts from the top don't know where it is but sorry bill i'll let you get to your point i actually i completely agree i think i think there's a palpable and noticeable difference in the love of playing playing football that uh existed in 2016 and into 2017 the uh you know you think back to different moments like the josh jackson interview after the west virginia game you think of the notre mm-hmm. dame one is it is an excellent example um even the no- uh, north carolina game last year when you had Bud jumping into Fuente's arms, right. it just looked like there was a lot more fun and a lot more uh, love for the game before things kind of the wheels kind of fell off later. Um, but but look, to be completely honest, if 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 I were to get nitpicky, a couple of things that I want to see is the energy is definitely one of them, and involvement of former Hokies and you know a lot of people who are calling for a new coach are saying uh, they want it to be Hokie, they want it to be a Hokie. I'm saying that you know what I really want to see the athletic department as a whole and coach Fuente and everybody involve those 1999 Hokies involve Cam Chancellor involve um, all these old players. I remember who came back to school. Was it Eddie Royal or um, somebody came back to school? Um, who came back to school was last it, year? Uh, flowers. flowers. Flowers got his degree. I'm pretty sure. Flowers, flowers came back to school. And, and you know, that's like a, that's a huge deal. Like a, a guy having an NFL career and deciding to come back to Virginia tech and you know, I think that we did a poor job from a marketing standpoint and from just mm-hmm. being around the team. Like he would come to practice, but you didn't really like I don't think we're capitalizing on look, there's some amazing history about this place and amazing people who walked these halls, lifted in this weight room, played on this football field, walked through this tunnel. And I don't think we do a good enough job of involving them in what we do. And that's not just specific to football. That's an entire athletic department thing that it comes down to the pride of donating to the school, the pride of wanting people to come back, and the pride of getting people to Blacksburg. Like you said last podcast, Pat, like you don't end up in Blacksburg by mistake. Um, and a great example of that is I'm looking at Maryland's Twitter, and they have you know, like 50, 15, 20 former Maryland players, and I can't name five former Maryland players. I know, I know uh, Sean Merriman played there, but they had them all lined up taking a picture with the coach, and they just lost like 76 to nothing to Penn State. But all of them are just happy to be back and happy to be on the sideline, and I think that's something that definitely needs to be injected into this team because that energy that's, that Corey Moore played with, Sam Rogers played with, um, and the love and compassion they had for one each other um, is something this team is missing. And I know there are guys on that team that have that energy. The Daxes, yeah. the Dalton Keens, the Trey Turners, the Jared Hewitts. There are guys on that team that love each other so much and love playing football, and I think they need to get back to that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think, I don't know if it was uh, Brendan Hill or Dwight Vick, but actually today um, they tweeted, I think it was Dwight, tweeted about how. Um, 
former players used to come and speak to the team on like Thursdays or Fridays. Before it was Dwight. Games. Yeah. It was Dwight. Um, you know, that can make a huge impact. I mean, if you bring a guy, um, you bring a guy in like Vinny Fuller to talk to the team. I mean, that guy had a long NFL career. He was a special teams beast. Uh, he was part, you know, a part of DBU. And now I think he's like a lawyer or mm-hmm. something. Um, you know, that guy has a lot of good stories and a lot of good perspective. You bring a guy like that into today's team and they can learn a lot from him. Um, you know, a lot about the pride and joy of special teams, what it meant to play for the LPD, um, you know, that kind of thing. And that's something we really need. I mean, the fact that Fuente apparently didn't take a picture with the 99 team or didn't meet with them is just concerning. Um, you know, I honestly um, was definitely more of a uh, pro Fuente guy up until uh, the Duke weekend, and it kind of is all down a, uh, a downward spiral here. But I mean, yeah, like you got to engage with the people that built this place and made it special because they laid the foundation and they're going to have the best advice for the folks moving forward. You know, we're not, we're not going to be like you said, cool, like Miami or mm-hmm. we don't have the budget of Clemson, but we do, we do have the hokey stone, you know, who pros them mm-hmm. hard nosed, gritty pound the football. And, uh, you know, we need to reestablish the identity. I remember. I think, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. No, you go ahead. Are you sure? Positive. Hundred percent. The only thing I, you guys, <laughs> Grace, go ahead, man. The, the, the only the only thing that I was going to say is, uh, if anything, man, with this past weekend, the red, a freaking gold plated carpet should have been rolled out for the '99 team because really they were the team that put us on the map. Yeah, I get Mike is there. But every single one of those former players who showed up is equally as valuable to the university as Michael Vick is. And, like, I think Mike knows that. And I think every other Hokie knows that. But it did not seem that way. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem. Mm -hmm. That is a big problem. And from what I've heard, you know... Pat, you were there, so you know firsthand. You saw, apparently it was uh, like a video that Hokies FB, the Twitter account, had already put out, and that was it. It's like, dude. Yeah, we we already saw that video. Everyone saw that video. and um, It's like every timeout, every timeout of that game should have been dedicated to that team. A different player coming out or something, yeah. uh, 100%. 100%. One like minute so interviews on the video board, mm-hmm. you know, like Chiron Stiff talks about being a member of the team. Yeah. You know, Jake Grove talks about being on that. Jake Grove wasn't on that team. Um, he, he was, he was not. Yeah. He was no. later. Um, yeah. Corey, Moore, you know, you got, you, know, you, got get, like, you get him on there. You get Dave Cadella on there. You Shane get, Beamer. For, Nick Sorensen. Yeah. You know, Carl Bradley. Coach get, Ferguson, get who, co- who coached, uh, who was a weight coach for the longest time, played yep. fullback. I mean, there's there's just name after name after name. and um, Yeah. I mean, I remember you, you mentioned Jake Grove. I remember one time back when Beamer was coaching, Jake Grove came to like two practices in a row, sat in on our film sessions, um, was in there for Indy every day. 
And, you know, I was a dude that, you know, didn't know of him except he was in our hallway all the time. But then to like meet him and hear him talk about like what this place used to be, what it became, what it means to him to be back on campus and um, just kind of meet somebody. And then, you know, I go home and I'm like Wikipedia and this guy and finding out like, oh, my gosh, this guy was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, um, you know, that stuff really, uh, really matters. And with, again, a school that's not going to win with cool, you're going to win with tradition. And I think I think we have to get back to that. Yeah, I think we really, really dropped the ball in honoring the 99 team. And it's not just there. I mean, we've, like Bill said, we dro- we fair- we are very frequently dropping that ball mm-hmm. and making making alumni not feel special or mm-hmm. left out. And it's very awkward. And mm-hmm. I think if, if I could peg one place where the athletic department under Whit Babcock's tenor has failed, it's there. And I'm not pointing fingers at Wit. I'm, mean, you know, he's got a staff. It's not just him running that show. He's there's a lot of intricate little pieces of that puzzle. But the fact that that is not more of a priority is an issue, mm-hmm. and it's an issue that, above many things, needs to be paid more close attention to and treated with more, with more care. Because it is very important. Guys, we have uh, – that. this was a ton of fun. Um, would be a lot more fun if you were 4-0, but important. Um, great conversation. We got to get to our uh, to our mail gag here, our hokey bag, fan bag, whatever you want to call it. Guys, try to help us come up with a better name. We'll run down these real quick. Um, Grayson, it's Eastern time. It's almost – midnight 30 so we got to roll through these here yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent. here's here's what we go here our walk 24 who's the best team in the country right now do you give it to clemson bama osu lsu based off resume um i'm gonna go ahead with best team right now i'll probably go ohio state anybody else want to weigh in or care to weigh in watching yeah if um cosine ohio cosine state. i i I, yeah, I think that's fair. I think George is pretty damn gnarly. Shout out Ryan Walker, O'Shag Five. Love that kid. He's lived in my dorm. Uh, but yeah, now, <laughs> yeah, Ryan. No, I, I would O'Shag. say Ohio State or, or, or Georgia, man. I I think with Clemson scare with U UNC, that kind of for now took them out of that best team in the country conversation. For me, if I'm going another team in the SEC, I'm going to go with LSU just because they remastered their offense. So. I'll go with LSU yeah. over Georgia. Um, and then other question is, does Notre Dame win out to make the college football playoff? And if so, can they make a run at the title this year? I think they make, I think they have a significant chance to make the playoff, um, but I definitely see them mm. having a hiccup along the way probably because that's just Agreed. what Notre Dame's always done. Um, so I'll go, with, I'll go with a hiccup. Pat, you have a, I know you're a Notre Dame uh, fanatic here. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, I think they'll have a hiccup too. Um, they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you watch the UVA game, if, uh, if they don't pick Bryce Perkins pocket four times, that's a completely different game. Um, you know, that onside kick executed by Bronco was actually pretty magnificent. They were up 17, 14 and, um, you know, couldn't capitalize and ultimately got beat. But, um, I think they're going to have a hiccup along the way as well. Um, they're, a really good team, but they're not elite. 
Um, is it too early to say Mac Brown is bringing UNC back? And what chance do you give Virginia Tech to make a bowl game? I'm just going to come out and say it. I, the bowl game thing drives me crazy. It's on my list of things that, that fans do that mm-hmm. drives me nuts. At the end of the day, look, going to a bowl game, it, 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 to me, honestly, it means a lot more to other people. Now it means nothing. You got teams that are under 500 going to bowl games. At the end of the at the end of the day, I think each team is different, and you know the bowl streak kind of drives me crazy. I just want our team to get better, and I want to beat Miami. So that's how I feel about that. Do you guys have any opinion on that? All all I'll say is, dude, like, uh, and this this is not me wishing that it happens, but I mm-hmm. will say, if the bowl streak ends this year, I don't give a damn. I think it's stale as freaking pita bread. And we need to stop selling it because elite programs sell championships and we sell a crusty-ass bowl streak next. Love yeah. that. Recruits, recruits don't care about the bowl streak. Everyone makes a bowl. A crap. The Gasparilla bad boy mowers bowl. You know. Um, what, are, what are some skippy. other? The Cheez-It bowl. The like, Cherry I'm, Bundy I'm bowl. Out. Yeah, you got a bunch of I'm out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All I care about at this point, for from here on out uh, to the end of the year, is that we win that game uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Agreed. Um, what is your go-to stadium snack or drink? Uh, popcorn. I'm a big popcorn guy. I don't do a lot of eating during the game. I mean, you know, Pat, you knew I I, I was just enjoying my Red Man with the with the hedges. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, I really uh-huh. I'm really not a big eater at a at a stadium. It's just not my thing. You guys, big eaters. I've never had a turkey leg. Maybe I should cross that Dude, off the list. T- turkey legs are good, and I wouldn't get one unless you're like really hungry. Dude, Lane Stadium Coke is undefeated. Uh, <laughs> like, I- I'm 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 not even kidding. Like, like I- I'm not I'm not a big eater at games either. But Lane Stadium Coke, man, is some about it. I don't know if it comes in those cups or whatever the deal is, but you get one of those and you uh you get a little uh. Pull a little something out of your jacket to put in it. I'm not gonna say what that is, but yeah, it gets you nice and right, baby. Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever eaten a snack at Lane Stadium before. Um, <laughs> been to a lot of games, but uh, now that I do have my concession vouchers offered with the 2019 variation of the uh, season tickets, I uh, have been using them on waters. Um, <laughs> So uh, yeah, shout out to Sonny and that Coca Cola contract. But uh, yeah, I mean, go, going to games as a kid, I would I, I wouldn't eat at Lane Stadium. I would eat as much as I would at the, the tailgate, and then I get to the stadium and I I show up and I yell on third down, and I, I don't have time to go to the concession stands. I'm, I got a game to watch, you know. Uh, yeah, this is actually my freshman year roommate Karsten, my boy, who uh, asked this question. Shout out. But uh, I'm I'm not much of a snacker at, at games. Hokie fan seven seven eight shout out a hundred or no Steve uh, yeah Hokie fan seven seven eight Steve Bryce twenty twenty asks he prefaced it with question for the podcast when will the long term dare damage currently happening to the VT brand be greater than the cost of Fuente's buyout? Um, I need a calculator. And- <laughs> I need a calculator. I don't know how long. I don't know if we got any uh, math majors or accountants here, but uh, I just hope we start winning games and the rest will all work out itself. But uh, as long as we can keep these 2019 recruits here um, that are currently on the team and they don't enter the transfer portal, 
Um, I'm hopeful, but you know, I am, I am the eternal optimist in the room. So, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Win the damn game on Saturday. Like, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I, I don't think, I don't think everybody, everybody's, everybody's like doing this, like, uh, oh, December 12th, December 15th, this, that, the other. It's like, dude, you know what? Like, just watch the I'll game. Put the cart before the horse. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what? Babcock has really not made any bad decisions, um, in, in hiring or deciding who is to lead programs. Leave it up to him. I know Coach Fuente is passionate about this team. I know he wants to do a good job, and he's done. He's won 19 games in two years, so hopefully we can turn it around this year. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to mathematically figure figure out the the price point. Um, I, I I wasn't a finance major. I I switched from the business school to consumer studies because I couldn't do calculus at the math emporium. So I mean, I'm the, I'm the <laughs> wrong guy for that question. Um, Grayson, you have anything on that? Um. I think you guys hit it. Okay. Honestly, is win the damn game on Saturday. These last two are my favorite questions. Here we go. From Steve Bryce. Better question here, Steve. Good job. Over <laughs> under on the Trayvon Hill sack total on Saturday. He set the line at two, which I don't love. Don't love the line at two. I'm going to ask you two. Should we move it to two and a half or one and a half? I think one and a half is fair. Let's move to one and a half because does Trayvon Hill have a sack all year? I think he has one. I think he has he a has sack. He has one. He I'm, has I'm, one. I'm taking the under. I'm taking, I'm taking the under. I'm, I think Darisaw or whoever's on him is going to make sure he doesn't touch Hooker. I uh, hope so. I think it's one. I think he gets one. I, I agree. He gets one. Take the He under. has his moment. He has his shining moment. <laughs> he, but he, that's but, it. He, he barks real loud, chirp, 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 little birdie, whatever, dude. Okay. Now get subbed out because, you know, Manny was like, okay, Trayvon, go, yeah, go try. Go have your moment. All right, now get your ass off the field. Oh, boy. <laughs> at, at Real D Kuna, Kuna, big fan of the pod. Oh. The pod is big fans of Mr. Cunningham as well. Great question. What was your favorite Virginia Tech football moment in the Beamer era that you experienced in person? Pat, you go ahead. I'm curious. All right. Um, I want to be pissed if you take mine. I kind of have a couple, but I'm gonna I'm gonna run it down real quick. Um, so first and foremost, um, September first, 2007, first game after the shootings. Um, college game days in town, you know, a super somber day. Um, you know, really the community just needed a, uh, a distraction and football, you know, provided that community building distraction. That was awesome. But, um, that was an awesome game to attend. It was super emotional. Um, and it's funny because we started out that game, uh, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn and threw a pick on, his first pass of the day to start the season. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a slow moving game, but then old pride and joy defense and special teams, um, comes through and Macho Harris picks off pick the pass, six, baby. pick six to the house, dives to the pylon touchdown. Um, you know, tech goes on, wins the ACC that year. Um, you know, truly special to be there, um, at that, on that day, um, against East Carolina, and then um, 2008, uh, the Darren Evans game, 
I, I never really got to attend that many home games when I was younger um, because I played soccer and my dad, you know, coached soccer. Um, so we would, you know, pick one game a year. Actually, that was my first ever night game in Lane was 2008, um, that Thursday night game. And Darren Evans runs for 253 yards. We win 23-13. Um, he has this one crazy hit stick play on a, uh, a sorry um secondary guy from maryland and chris fowler freaked out on the call so that was awesome uh won the acc that year too and then honorable mention i was not in attendance but i think my favorite game of all time was 2007 clemson in the beamer area or the beamer era we scored a a punt return kickoff return and interception return uh dj parker eddie royal macho harris um crushed Clemson in their house, beat them like 41 to 23 or something. It was awesome. Tyrod um, had a big run that game too. Tyrod Ty made some smart plays. Uh, this was during the duel, the two, uh, two quarterback system. But that, yeah, that was one of the better games. We were hitting their boys all over the field. Flowers, Macho, DJ Parker, Cam Martin had some big hits. Um, I think Chris Ellis might've had a couple big ones too. That was a, uh, really an all around Frank Beamer, Bud Foster coach game that you love to see. And that's uh, one of my favorites of all time, but I'll, I'll pass the mic to you. Um, so I agree. I mean, that Clemson game was great. Uh, I'll never forget Macho Harris gutting Jacoby Ford. That was nuts. <laughs> um, but for me, I was lucky enough. I was in person uh, at the 09 Nebraska game. Oh, I did at Monkey. I was there. Uh, I think that goes without saying. I mean, yeah, oh my gosh, time slowed down when Tyrod let go of that ball, man. To Danny Cole, it gives me my literally the hair on my arm is standing up right now thinking about that. It, like it was your quintessential movie scene, like we're literally. Doo, 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 doo. Like, <laughs> like, like everything slowed down. I'm not even kidding. Like time slowed down, and like it was like sound came in as soon as Danny Cole caught that ball, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna freaking win this game. Uh, and then Tyrod evading a very angry Nadamkin Sue, and we won. Tyrod did it, Mikey. Uh, very close second to that was Miami in 2011. These people are losing their minds and are Sandman. Uh, Fourth and Logan, uh, fourth and one. Logan yeah. Thomas right up the gut draw play. The loudest I think I have ever heard Lane Stadium. Uh, a close second behind that in terms of noise was Florida State in 07. Another one of my favorites was in person for that. Tyrod Taylor, third and 31. Uh -oh. Beamer's first victory over Bobby Bowden. Uh, Bobby Bowden said after the game, I never thought I'd see the second coming of Michael Vick. And then honorable mention was the – and also just still one of my favorite games. 2009, uh, Ja'Cory Heisman came into Blacksburg on a very, <laughs> very, very rainy Saturday. My, lo my little brother, my older brother, my old man, and one of his fraternity brothers, we did not sit down the entire game because we were so soaking wet that it was more comfortable to be on your feet than to be sitting down. We boat raced those clowns 31 <laughs> – 31-7, to seven, and all that to Corey Heisman hype went straight down the tubes with the rain. Those are mine, man, 100%. I, uh, I, 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 you and you talk. 
I got two <laughs> that are um, that are actually not football game related, and um, the first one actually comes on November first, twenty fifteen. Um, it was the day that Coach Beamer announced that he was retiring, and um, I just remember everybody in the locker room and. Um, you know, you read about so many ways and how athletic departments don't do a good enough job of announcing a coach departure. And obviously, this is a very special situation. But uh, Coach Beamer made sure to let us know what was happening before we found out that it was happening. Um, and just seeing him, uh, somebody that I grew up watching and, and grew up admiring, um, just kind of lose it. And and talking about how much it means to him, the university, the kids, the job, and the ability to do that he wanted to do, and then eventually after that, you know, a couple hours later, they had the media session in in uh, in Merriman, and uh, just watch, watching him talk about you know watching his son go to school there and his wife up there, and it was just incredible to watch this figurehead and and this man, this this incredible human being, and just talking about how much he genuinely cared about everything that wasn't football and it was just Blacksburg Virginia Tech and I, it was just I was blown away after even two years of, of spending you know every day with him just to see the culmination of love and affection that everybody had for him and that he equally has for the school and then um second one I have is on Saturday May 12th 2018 I had just graduated um had a great day everybody was hanging out uh and I'm I'm packing my stuff or I'm doing something in my house and my phone rings and it's a five, it's a five Oh four, it's a five, four Oh five Oh four number. Um, and I, I figured it was like Kroger pharmacy telling me that, you know, I needed to refill my, you know, concerta or something. So I'm about to like, let, I'm about to let it go. And, and I pick up the phone and, uh, the first few words and, uh, are, Hey, Billy Ray, it's coach Beamer. I wanted to give you a call and, and congratulate you. I'm, I'm, uh, on graduating. It is an incredible accomplishment. Um, I want you to know that you went to an incredible school. You were an incredible kid. And, uh, just the fact that he reached out and, and took time out of his day to congratulate me, a guy who played, you know, four snaps under, under him. Um, and, you know, had my major, uh, you know, offered obviously if you never need anything, you know, you know, you can always, uh, reach out. Um, and just, uh, just a gentleman's gentleman. And it was, uh, an honor to, to spend two years with him and um I, I can't say not any i can't say more positive things about that man he's uh he is as advertised and he is exactly who he seems to be probably did a horrible job explaining that but those are the two uh moments that i'll always remember in the frank beamer era dude i'm getting like choked up right now like i'm not even kidding that's that that's that's an awesome story dude it's it, like, it's that's so cool when people when people talk about you know what he means to the town what he is and, and he really just is blacksburg virginia he really is just virginia tech and, and he, he is, genuinely dude. cares about every single life that has come into the program and um again that's why this means so much that's why i love talking about it that's why you know i want to see him do well and you don't see that anymore in in the two thousands. You know there aren't there aren't a lot of them. No. So uh, it was it was right. it, it was special, and um, this was special, guys. Twelve forty seven on the East Coast. Look at oh, that, man. Uh, thanks for staying up, guys. <sighs> thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. man. I think we're gonna try thanks. to do this maybe on the maybe a Sunday or like figure <laughs> on something the out. Maybe figure something out. Yeah. Here. 
But yeah. um, guys, thanks for sticking with us, fellas. Thanks for staying up late. We'll get this up in the morning, and everybody. Oh, predictions, predictions, real quick, real quick. Uh oh. Miami's undisciplined. Miami's undisciplined. <laughs> Miami's undisciplined. The line is too high. Take Tech plus the points, and probably the under as well. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we win the game by one. I wouldn't be shocked if we lose by thirty-five. So <laughs> take that. Yeah, take that as you may. I think it's. I think it's going to be one or the other. I don't think we're. I don't see us winning, or I don't see them beating us in a close game. I see them blowing us out, or I see us winning by a field goal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be surprised if we win. I'm not going to be. Um, overly upset if, if we lose. I've kind of set a new expectation, which I don't like to say, but I, uh, I'm going to be rooting just as hard as I was last week and the week before. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to give any analytics, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to be completely straight up honest. Uh-oh. 35 to 17 Miami. Oh, for, putting a, for putting a number down, I will All go... Right, let's put some numbers down. I will go 24 2410 2410 Miami 2810 Miami I got 2810 Miami just like in uh, 2017 okay. I mean and we had a lot better team uh, than yeah. but um, yeah I don't see that many points being scored fellas we shall see thank you for joining and we will talk soon yes sir go Hokies all right guys Go Hokies, man. Let's go, go get them, guys. What's, uh, <laughs> what's on top on tap here, Bill? We got some more tunes coming up. We'll roll them again. You, you guys like the song, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it sounds. Right. Uh, where'd you Where'd you get it from? Oh, dude, I just typed in free podcast music. There's this thing like no royalties <laughs> thing. You can do like like Beethoven's music is all no royalties because like his son, 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 son's dead now. So, you know, they're like, you know what? We don't know where the money needs to go anymore. So you can just like play it. But Beethoven doesn't really fit this. So I just rolled with this. You know, um, I was going to say my, my roommate, Ryan Hartman, um, he plays the bass. So oh. maybe we can maybe we can get a little recording of him playing Enter Sam and on his bass guitar. Uh, and, uh, like the Seinfeld theme song. Hartman, this play out is yours if you want it. But for now, we're rolling with a ding, 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 or Let's whatever go. it is. Here it goes. <laughs> All right. All right.